Well, hello, happy new year, and it's great to be together today, whether you're joining us live or on demand, and great to come to God's Word together as a church family in 2022. Can you believe it? Uh, well, we've got great anticipation of all that God has in store for us this year as a church family and across our communities, and so we're going to be turning to the Word of God together today, and we are starting a brand new teaching series for the next five weeks called The Culture of Heaven, Kingdom Values in a Multicultural Church. And this is a great way to start the year because culture is very much about not where we're going, but who we're becoming. And I'll suggest to you at the start of a new year, where so often we start with New Year's resolutions of things we're going to do and we have plans and we have things that we want to shoot after, goals and objectives and life changes. And so often the start of a new year can be about us thinking about what we're going to do with the next 12 months. Well, I would suggest to you that perhaps an even more radical thing to put your energy into this year is this. Who are you going to become? Not just what you're going to do and achieve, but what kind of person do you want to be? That's a great question and a great thing to give ourselves to over the next 12 months. Who are we becoming? And that really is a cultural question. Uh, culture is a, a word that we use often now in the 21st century, but it originally was an agricultural word. It comes from the idea to cultivate land and a farmer would literally cultivate his soil so that the right kind of crops grow and that the weeds are turfed out. And he literally cultivates his land so that he gets the appropriate fruit. And the idea there is that culture is about the soil conditions of our hearts. It's the kind of people that we're becoming, the kind of priorities and values, looking after our character, the way that we relate to one another. Culture is very much a question of who are we becoming? And it's that question that we're going to turn to at the start of this year with a particular focus on being a multicultural community from many, many different nations. And it's interesting when you dip into the New Testament, so much of the New Testament is instruction about who we are becoming together as God's family. It's really instruction about the right soil conditions so that we can grow together. Because forget we forget sometimes that the early church was birthed into a multi-ethnic, multicultural reality from day one. You can read the story in Acts chapter 2, where the early church is birthed on the streets of Jerusalem. And at the time that the church had its, had its infancy, its day one, it was born into a city that was full of people from all the surrounding nations of Israel. It was the Feast of Pentecost. Jews and Jewish converts from all the surrounding nations had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And in that atmosphere, in a city full of the nations, Peter stumbles out of an upper room in Jerusalem and begins to preach the first sermon. And he says, listen, Jesus, you crucified Jesus, but he is no longer dead. He is raised from the dead and he is now king of all the nations. And the people that were listening, it says they were cut to the heart and they cried out, what must we do? And it says 3,000 were added to the church on that day. And we have a description of all the different nations that they were from. Uh, in modern day terms, uh, they were from Iraq. 
from Kuwait, from Syria, from Palestine, from Turkey, from Egypt, from Libya, from Italy, from Greece, and from Saudi Arabia. So from day one, the church is this multi-ethnic, multicultural family of people that may have had nothing to do with each other before, but suddenly they are brothers and sisters in Christ. You have Iranians worshipping next to Egyptians. You have Italians worshipping next to Libyans. This was the reality of the first church, the early days of the church. And so no wonder that the rest of the New Testament is instruction trying to work out how we get on with one another. Given that we're all so different and we speak different languages and we're from different cultures, we're different ethnicities and histories and backgrounds and customs, given all of that, how then do we now live as God's people on the earth? What is heaven's culture? What is heaven's culture and how do we work that out in our relationships to one another? That's what so much of the New Testament is really about. And it's a great question for us to ask of each other as well, because my experience over the last 10 years that I've been in King's Arms is that our church has changed a lot. Um, We first moved in 2010 as a family and we joined the King's Arms Church, which at the time was meeting a school hall. There was about maybe three to four hundred people strong. It was fairly mono-ethnic. It was predominantly white. And we've changed a lot. In the last decade, we have become not just a larger church, but a much more diverse church that much better reflects the town that we live in. And I love that. It's brilliant. And it's something that God has done amongst us. You know, you look around on a typical Sunday and you will see people from many different backgrounds and cultures and colours and and histories. And it's brilliant. It's this beautiful multicoloured tapestry that God is building in our church family. People from the nations gathering together for such a time as this. I love it. It's absolutely brilliant. But we do have to ask the same question that the early church asked, which was, how do we build heaven's culture into a community that is so diverse with so many different cultures together in one place. And so that's why we're focusing on this issue of culture over the next few weeks. How do we live as God's people, particularly as a multicultural family that we are? And so to help us, we're gonna turn to the book of Galatians. So if you've got a Bible, you might like to turn there. We're gonna be looking predominantly in Galatians chapter three, because there the apostle Paul, who's one of the foremost leaders of the early church, begins to give us some keys to how to build a church culture on the right foundations, particularly a church culture that is full of people from different nations and backgrounds. And so we're gonna just read some verses together in Galatians 3 verse 26. And this is what Paul says. He says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. 
quick note on the background of the book of Galatians. Galatians was written amidst cultural controversy in the church. Um, as we've just read there, Jews and Gentiles, men, women, slave owners at the time and slaves, they were all coming to Jesus and becoming part of God's family, the church. And that had started to create some controversy and some division and some difficulty. And perhaps you've noticed that in any environment where you put different people together, sparks can fly. And that's what was happening in the church in Galatia. And earlier in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul directly opposes one of the other early church leaders called Peter. And he, and he, he says, I have opposed Peter to his face because Peter used to eat with non-Jewish converts to Christianity, but now he stopped doing it. He only now eats with Jews. And Paul earlier in this book says, Peter, you're wrong. You've become a hypocrite because the gospel is for everybody, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. All of us are saved through our faith in Jesus. And so please start doing what you've started to do, which was to eat with anyone that bears the name of Jesus. And so controversy is starting to build in this church. And so Paul starts to put in some foundations for how we can live as our diverse people, but as those who've all chosen to follow Jesus as their savior. Paul is saying, listen, all of us are equal. We were all equally lost. We've all been equally found. We were all equally far away. And now God through Jesus has brought us equally close. All of us are on exactly the same footing. All of you are children of your heavenly father. And let's just kind of turn to some of those foundations now. And I'm going to suggest to you there are four foundations in this short passage that show us about how we build heaven's culture in our diverse church. And the four foundations are number one, identity which is about who we are. Second, it's about intentionality, which is about the choices that we make. Thirdly, it's about our Christology. In other words, what we believe about Jesus. And then fourthly, it has to do with the eschatology, which means what's gonna happen at the end of the ages. These are the four foundations of building heaven's culture in a diverse church. Let's look at each of those briefly together. So firstly, identity. Paul says in verse 26, for you are all children of God through Christ Jesus. This is the first foundation. Paul starts with an identity statement and he's, he's saying, listen, heaven's culture is not primarily defined by your national or your ethnic backgrounds. Your identity is primarily defined by who you are in Christ. And whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're from Nigeria or Italy or Japan or Greece, your identity, your first identity is this. You are all children of God through Christ Jesus. This is your new identity and it supplants every other identity. That's what Paul is saying. We are now defined as being sons and daughters of one heavenly father. That means whether you're from a different nation or a different background, a different color, a different history, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are now my 
brother or sister because we share the same father. And this is the first foundation of how you build heaven's culture in a multicultural church. We've got to realize we are all God's children, no matter what our background. This is foundational. And this works on two levels. And the first level is realizing that we have an identity as image bearers of God. That is really crucial that we understand that all of humanity is made in God's image. All of us, whether actually we're a Christian or not a Christian, every human being born on this planet bears in some way a likeness to the God who created them. This is called image bearing. And we as human beings get this extraordinary privilege to be image bearers, reflectors of what God is like in a way that nothing else in God's creation does. Not even the dolphins. We as human beings reflect something about God. You see this right at the start of creation in Genesis 1 verse 27. This is what we read. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Theologically, this is called Imago Dei, the image of God. The reality that we are all born as image bearers of God. And Imago Dei, this understanding, this foundation that we bear the likeness of God in our created beings really should be the death blow to evil ideologies like racism and prejudice because they have no biblical foundation whatsoever. The Bible tells us right from the start, right to the finish, we are all made in the image of God. No matter what color, what background, what culture we come from, we're made in his image. I love what uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said about this, this key foundational stone of being made in God's image. This is what he said once. He said, the whole concept of the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected women as well and this gives us a uniqueness it gives man his worth his dignity and we must never forget this there are no gradations in the image of God every man from a treble white to a bass black is significant on God's keyboard precisely because every man is made in the image of God One day we will learn that. We will know one day that God has made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. I love that. Every person from a treble white to a base black is made equal in the eyes of God. We're made in his image and likeness. And that's why image bearing is the foundation of honor. Honor is not primarily a reward for good behavior. Honor is a posture of the heart towards people that have been made in God's image, that intrinsically have a value because they're made and created by God. Image bearing is the foundation of honor. This is the first level that this works about our identity. And the second, of course, is that we have all been born again into a new family through Jesus Christ. 
that again means our primary allegiance as God's people is not to a national culture or identity. Our primary allegiance is to Christ and his family. We've been born again into a new family and it's a multi-ethnic, multicultural family from many different nations. I have a family that spans the world, the globe, because I've got brothers and sisters right across this planet who, like me, have the same Father, the same Saviour. They're filled with the same Spirit. Our identity is crucial to building heaven's culture in a multicultural church. So crucial. Uh, The second key that Paul talks about in this passage is intentionality, which is about the choices that we make. He says in verse 27, and all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. This is the second foundation that Paul says. The idea here is that those who are part of Jesus family, they choose to put on new clothes. I don't know about you, but when you got dressed today, it wasn't an accident. You did it deliberately. You deliberately chose something and you put it on your body. You put the right stuff on. It was an act of deliberate intent. And the reality is we have been given a new identity in Christ. And now we have to make powerful choices to live out that new identity. We are powerful people given responsibility. And every day we make choices about which value system we are going to live by. Living out heaven's culture means we have to make powerful choices to come into line with God's value system. And that's why here in Galatians, Paul is encouraging Peter. He's saying, Peter, you used to eat with non-Jewish Christians. Please do so again. And I know it goes against your national customs. Your fellow Jews, they don't want to eat with Gentiles. You haven't grown up eating with Gentiles. That's never what you used to do. But please, now that you're in Christ's family, choose to do what's right according to God's value system. Go and eat again with those that you never used to eat with. Go and eat again with non-Jewish believers. He's encouraging Peter to adopt, to choose, to make a powerful choice to come into line with Christ's value system. And that is so, so crucial. You know, and the reality is in every national culture around the world, there are good things, neutral things and bad things. In every culture around the world, there are absolutely beautiful things to celebrate. There are also neutral things which can you know, there's no kind of moral value necessarily to them whatsoever. And also in every culture, there are negative things that need overhauling by the Bible's value system. And all of us, no matter what culture we come from, can learn to celebrate the good, but also learn to embrace heaven's value system in a way that changes things that are negative in our own culture's value system. And so often the the differences between our different backgrounds and cultures that can create these culture clash moments. Very often not through bad intention, but often through poor understanding by us not appreciating that where you come from, you have learned to do things in a different way than me. And that may not be bad, it just may be different. And we've got to learn through honour to work these things out together. 
You know, I remember we've had many people live with us over the years and numbers of them have been from different nations and backgrounds. And I remember one time we had a, a lady living with us. She was from another nation. And we noticed that uh, every time that she came home, our children who were quite small at the time would run away and hide from her. And we had no idea why. And then one day my mum was staying in the house and she noticed that when this lady came into the house, she asked our kids to bow down to them as she came in as an act of honor and respect towards her. She was an older lady, probably in her early 60s. And my mum witnessed her asking our kids to bow down to her because that was the custom and the culture that she grew up in, in another nation. Now, our children, of course, came from a completely different white English culture where that was very unusual for them and it scared them. And consequently, they ran and hid whenever she came in the house. Now, that was a culture clash moment. It was a moment where we needed to understand each other's worldview and work out how we're going to live with one another. Now, I remember the first time I went to preach in Scotland, a pastor took me aside and took me for coffee before I was preaching. And he just said to me, listen, I want to just give you a few cultural um, tips. And he said, the first one is this, whatever you do, don't joke about the rugby. And he's like, if you joke to the Scottish about rugby, particularly England beating Scotland in the rugby, they will not listen to a single thing that you say for the rest of the weekend. So just don't mention rugby. I remember that was the first thing he said to me. And so I avoided the subject and I have ever since, every time I've even been anywhere near Scotland. You know, again, it's a cultural difference. It's, it's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's just the difference to understand. We have culture clash moments. Some of them can be mildly embarrassing and sometimes they can be overtly offensive. And in the church, we've got to work out what is heaven's value system and how can I put that on in a way that becomes the way I live by, the value set that I live by. You know, for years, we've tried to define our church's culture in five words. It's difficult to describe everything that we want to be as a church, but we tried to describe five words, five ways of living, if you like, as a church family. And we'll look at each of these five words over the next few weeks. And those five words are honour, authenticity, acceptance, generosity and courage. These are five ways that we want to live, the kind of people that we want to be as a church family. And here's the reality you know, a word like authenticity can remain a great word on a PowerPoint, but unless you and I choose to be authentic with another person, it just remains a word rather than a lifestyle. We have all got to make powerful choices to put our value system on and live it out and work it out with one another. And that's what this series is really about. The third foundation in our passage is Christology, which really means what we believe about Jesus, about following and loving Christ. Paul says in verse 28, he says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is a quick point, but no less important. Ultimately, unity and building heaven's culture in a diverse church is built upon loving Christ. And you cannot grow in your love for Jesus without also growing in your love for one another. 
the key to unity is that it's a unity in the spirit, not a uniformity of the flesh. In other words, our unity is focused in on loving Christ. And when we love him, we find that his love overflows into our hearts for one another. You cannot get closer to him without getting closer to your brother or sister in Christ. It is a natural barrier breaker if you're a lover and a worshipper of Jesus because the more you behold him the more you will become like him you have been made one with Christ and that breaks barriers in a way that nothing else does you know the way that you're going to grow in friendships with people from other cultures and backgrounds is by pursuing Jesus because we're all one in Christ And my challenge to you over this next year is who's eating at your table? You know, Paul deliberately opposed Peter in Galatians because of who, Paul deliberately, he opposed Peter because of who Peter was choosing to eat with. He's like, Peter, you need to eat with people who look different than you. And this is a great litmus test of our growing in Christ and how that's overflowing and outworking is who's eating round your dinner table? Grow in Jesus and you'll grow in your love for one another. And then lastly, the last foundation is eschatology, which is about the eternity that we're heading into. Verse 29, Paul says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, eschatology is a long word, but it's nothing to be afraid of, just like marmalade. Uh, Eschatology simply means how things are going to be at the end of time, how they're going to be into eternity. And the idea as a Christian is that how things are going to be at the end of time is meant to inform how we now live in the present. We're part of God's story and how the story finishes really should inform how we live in the here and now. And here Paul is talking about being heirs, that we're going to inherit something one day. We're going to come into an inheritance in the future that is stored up for us. And Paul specifically says we are heirs with Abraham. God gave a promise to Abraham, but now we are also heirs of that same promise. So what is that promise to Abraham? What is it that we're going to become heirs of at the end of the ages? Well, here's the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God says to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is God's promise to Abraham. And it's now God's promise to you and me through you, through me, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's intention was always to build a diverse family from many different nations. And that's why when you get to Revelation 7 and you see the snapshot of eternity, how things are gonna be at the end of the ages, this is what we see, Revelation 7, 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. 
And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne. Eternity is heading towards a point where we see the inheritance of the promise given to Abraham and now given to us. Through us, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And around the throne in all of eternity, there is gonna be no tribalism, no racism, no segregation, no injustice, no inequality, no division, no disharmony, no misunderstanding. None of those things will exist in your future home. That's where God's taking us. And that's why we build that kind of culture on the earth now. How it's gonna be in the future is how we're called to build in the present. We are heirs of a precious promise. That means that God's design was always to build a diverse church. That is part of his eternal plan in Christ Jesus. So friends, these are the foundations of building heaven's culture in a multicultural church. Identity, understanding who we are, intentionality, making powerful choices to embrace heaven's culture. Christology, loving Jesus as the source of our unity. And thirdly, fourthly, eschatology, understanding what's gonna happen at the end is how we're called to build in the here and now. Listen, God loves you. Thank you so much for listening. And this year, I'm so excited to see what God does amongst our beautiful and diverse church family. God bless you today. Amen.